Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. I know, wig, I feel that already. Wig, okay. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. <laughs> I am ready for my wig to go flying. Welcome. Oh my God. Hi. Hey. <laughs> We're here. Where are we? We are here. Where are we? <laughs> We're in Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn as usual, but we're in a much, much nicer place than your apartment. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but I, I know I'm right. <laughs> um, I'm actually, this is my old neighborhood technically now since I moved, but are we in Crown Heights? No, this is Prospect Heights. Correct? Prospect yeah, Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Brooklyn. Um, That's why I live in Staten Island. Anyways, I'm Mart here. <laughs> I'm Steve Tepper. And this is Wigging Out. That's sad that we've gotten to this point. Um, we need to work on that. <laughs> no, that's no, we're going to keep That's it a like future this. Stephen problem. Um, Stephen problem? Stephen problem. Oh, yeah. I was like, who's Stephen? <laughs> That's me. Um, yeah, that's me. Um, Caitlin, what are we doing today? Okay, today we actually have more than one guest. We have double the fun. And we have an actual real drag family, like an actual one. <laughs> like a real one. We have Amber Alert and Julie Turney. Woo! Woo! Hello, hello. So Hi. glad to be here. Thank you for um, coming to our little show. Yeah. Uh, opening up your home to us. Yeah, Thanks for having us. We are us. in Julie's house. Yeah, I'm excited to be yeah. waking out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we always say this, but um, our podcast name is very ironic because neither of us wear, wear wigs. wigs. Uh, but Amber, do you wear wigs? Um, if you have to ask, the answer is no. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't too. remember ever seeing you in one. That's why you're perfect for our podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, my hair looks like a wig, though. That's what I always <laughs> Let's wear. go with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you both from originally? We should start with Julie. Since you are Amber's mother, I should also say yes. that. Mother mother of the house. Mother, mother of the house. Mother of house alert. <laughs> Home um, alert. We were both born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Heartland. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? Either, um, either one. <laughs> so Milwaukee was a, a great place to grow up, honestly. I mean, I was very lucky to have two wonderful accepting parents mm -hmm. and um uh I went to school in a district that was like pretty white and liberal so didn't have a lot of problems there Interesting. Um, Milwaukee is uh a city that's like super segregated so my okay. experience of it is different than like you know Milwaukee as a whole obviously okay. um so I had I had a very positive childhood um that being said the from the time I saw Party Monster when I was 14, mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to be in New York. Oh. So I'm glad that I grew up there, but I'm glad to be here now. There's a lot of great queens from Wisconsin. There are. We, I mean, the number one would be Trixie, James Mansfield. There's mm -hmm. a lot of Camp Wanakiki. I think they shoot there. Minnesota, a, but close. I know they like have a lot of um, Wisconsin queens. I actually like interviewed a bunch for the book that I wrote. Mm. So like... They're very sweet. They're very nice. So I could see the wholesome vibe going on. <laughs> Though I heard like the party scene over there is like amazing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's I, what I was told. I've never lived there as like, like long enough as yeah. an of age person. Yeah. So I'm not super enmeshed in that mm -hmm. world. Um, but yeah, I know a bunch of great queens. Oh, yeah. From Wisconsin. They're as well. amazing. They're very, very nice. When did you end up in New York? Uh, I moved here after Amber went away to college and wanted to downsize from her family home. Mm -hmm. And I realized, being a writer and only needing my computer, that I could probably just live about anywhere. I did consider Colorado because I love to ski and I love mm. the mountains, but I figured Amber would never visit me there. <laughs> <laughs> I um, would visit you, Julie. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends here mm. and love Brooklyn when I discovered it while mm. Harry was looking at colleges. Um, and I knew that she would never move back to Milwaukee. And, <laughs> and I love it here. Aww. It was 10 years ago. and. Oh, wow. 
I figured I would be the happiest here, and yeah. it was a really good decision for me. Yeah. I feel like you thrive here. You're like all over the place. I'm <laughs> thriving. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> it. Yeah, it's been 10 years. You're an official I'm New official Yorker. New Yorker. Yeah, now. yeah. That's the official 10 year date, Martyr. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I got a couple years. It's fine. <laughs> I'm getting it. It goes quickly. Yeah, it goes. I'm, yeah, I'm well, it, it's rough. <laughs> Surviving like a new place anywhere, like 10 years, is. You earned that stamp of being a New Yorker for yeah. sure. Especially New York is definitely like the hardest place to live, I feel like. Though LA was not easy either. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I moved here in the summer of 2012 okay. after I graduated from college. Where'd you go to college? I went to Wesleyan. It's a small school in Connecticut. Yeah, no, I, it's, yeah. Wasn't that an all girls school or am I wrong? That's Wellesley. Okay, see, I'm getting them confused. <laughs> Similar, but different. Different, okay. <laughs> Just check. What did you study? Um, I double majored in photography and film studies. Oh, that means that must have taken you a long time to graduate. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, it, it took me the standard four years. Uh, though lucky. my advisor was extremely skeptical of my ambitions, she was like, "People don't do that." And I was like, "Well, I'm not some random person. I'm <laughs> Harry James Hansen, <laughs> so I'm gonna do what I want." Um, and I did. I feel like that's like a narrative for your life, though. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which brings us to, when did you first come out as queer? Um, queer specifically, I think it was like my freshman year of college mm-hmm. um, when I sort of made that pivot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we, my mom and I were actually just talking about this last night, mm-hmm. how like identifying as a gay man in high school, I always felt like sort of a misfit that that label didn't really apply to me, but I knew I was like something else. Yeah, different. And that was the sort of like the something else label that was available. Yeah, Yeah. at the time. Um, And so I was like, okay, I guess this is what I am. And then I get to college and, you know, the world of liberal arts, higher education, just (laughs) expanded, expanded (laughs) my options, expanded my vocabulary. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah. (laughs) So how did you get into nightlife and drag? Um, the There are two answers to that question. Okay. Um, I, I have been coming up with drag characters since I was like nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Earlier. I was, <laughs> well, I was very lucky to have, I guess that's true. I was very lucky to have a dress-up box as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, and so I like... Specifically, I remember like this one like pink and white Betsy Johnson dress that my mother donated to my dress up box. I want that dress. It was a favorite. It was so cool. It was like sort of like zebra print, but pink and white kind of. It was awesome. I mean, Um, if that doesn't turn you into a drag queen, I don't know. Yeah, seriously. I love Betsy Johnson. Um, And so around like age 10 or 11, I started making these little videos with my friends just like on my family camcorder like just doing silly skits and like fake commercials and like, you know, that kind of thing. Thankfully YouTube was not around yet. So yeah, it's, it's not online. You cannot access it. I'm very thankful for that. You weren't a child drag star. Um, No, no, you weren't represented Um, by a giant agency. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I started doing skits and stuff and performing around that age. Um, And then when I was 14, I started going to the, local screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of course. Which um, was at this incredible theater in Milwaukee called the Oriental. Um, It's like a, it's a landmark theater. It's a historic building. The inside of it is full of like gilded elephants and Buddhas. And like, it's like the most immaculate movie palace you've ever seen. So I started going when I was 14. And then at 16, I joined the cast. Um, As soon as he turned 16, I got a permission slip yes literally (laughs) literally. um and so i played the role of trixie um before ms mattel came along okay um and uh sometimes i was dr scott Mm -hmm. um and then when i went off to college trixie mattel assumed that role oh see i knew it yeah um (laughs) she and i so she and i were in the cast for about like a year together oh together Um, how was she Free drag race. You know, um, 
she was lovely. I wish I had like some tea to spill about <laughs> her, I mean, like being she's, a diva. She's pretty low key person out of drag. I used to see her all the time in LA out of drag. Like she's pretty. Just, yeah, no. She just wants to go to a bar and drink. Like she's a sister. I mean, we would just like crack each other up. And <clears throat> one of the um, uh, something that we share certainly is the pursuit of putting as much makeup on our faces as possible <laughs> like the like truly the more the better that's the key to beauty um as we all know of course. so that's a shared approach that um <laughs> that i love was she the icon then like makeup wise you know it took her a long time to figure out that face like I those figured. proportions are pretty crazy um they are. she <laughs> looked a little more human 10 years ago. Mm. <laughs> um, like her eyes kind of looked a little more like eyes. Okay. Um, <laughs> did she use the contacts back then? She used to have the crazy blue oh, contacts. Oh, the blue ones. I remember yeah. Gosh, yeah, she did. She yeah, did. She did. Um, yeah, Trixie Mattel. Love her so much. Aww. I have a question. Never heard of her. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so you said earlier that you, at 14 you saw um, Party Monster mm-hmm. and then also Rocky Horror. Yes. So I was wondering, um, where'd you get like, that seems like a pivotal year at that 14 age. Yeah. So. Um, Did you go through puberty? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like I mentioned earlier, I did have a pretty wonderful childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bullied a little bit around the age like 11 because mm-hmm. I was growing up my hair and I wore all like tie dye. I was a weird kid. So, <laughs> um, so I cut my hair off sort of as a response to the bullying because I was just sick of it. Mm-hmm. And I decided that um, the solution to not being bullied was one, I'm going to be really smart and good at school. And two, I'm going to become a scary hot topic goth. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> so like so middle true. school, like seventh and eighth grade, um, I wore like giant like Frankenstein boots and black eyeliner and my hair was every single color and I had fishnet (laughs) sleeves and all of that. Um, And so, so I was in search of like media Mm -hmm. that reflected my more eccentric tastes. Um, And the theater that screened Rocky horror was down the block from my dad's house. Mm -hmm. So I was very lucky um, that that was so close. Um, and it was as I was leaving the theater one night with my dad that I saw the line of people waiting to get into Rocky horror because they would start lining up around like 11, 1130. Um, so we were leaving this late screening and I saw all these people dressed up in like crazy costumes and some drag Queens. And I was like, what is this? I need to go. You're like my people. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I remember asking my dad's partner, I was like, what is Rocky horror about? Like, what's the plot? And she like, couldn't explain it to me. She was like, well, it's like sort of like a musical about like aliens and like this couple that's like lost. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, so I went to go find out for myself. Um, and they're just, uh, he begged me to go to that. (laughs) Um, and you know, as a teenager, there just aren't a lot of outlets for like drag, especially, um, back then. Yeah. Especially back then. And was this like early 2000s? This was 2003 to 2004. Um, yeah, very like, different time. Right. I mean, yeah. most, most drag is taking place in bars and as a 14 year old, I don't have access to that. Obviously well, drag race obviously wasn't on either. Right. So there was like nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Prehistoric times. <laughs> I know, it's literally the, the dark times. Um, yeah. And I, uh, and then after seeing party monster, um, that was when I like found out what club kids were and like yeah. found out who Amanda Lepore was. Yeah. And, um, All I've just them. been obsessed with her ever since. Um, and yeah, that was really, that was really my, um, sort of like light bulb moment of like, mm-hmm. Oh, if this is an option that's available to me, I'm going to move there and do that. Um, and so that was when I knew that I was gonna, I haven't murdered anyone yet. Thankfully. Not yet. Um, yeah. You need a lot more. <laughs> <to her first. laughs> yeah. Um, 
So moved here in 2012 after I graduated from school and shortly after started going to bath salts. Oh, I keep little, hearing about this party. A little, a little, a little known party called Bath Salts. Um, I constantly hear about it. Was it Please Tyler? explain. Don Pedro. So it was yeah. a Don Pedro. It was Macy Rodman's weekly Monday night mm-hmm. back when Drag Race was still on Mondays. Um, Whoa. A friend of mine Whoa. was the bartender. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine was the bartender. Um, and so I wound up going to those early parties and fell in with that crowd. That's where I met Severely Mame and Lucy Balls and Untitled Queen um, and a bunch of incredible performers. Um, and one of the great things about Don Pedro, the bar, is that it wasn't a gay bar. It was a, like a rock and, like rock and roll uh, bar, I uh-huh. guess. Um, so you really felt like you could get away with anything on stage, like making a huge mess, um, you know, just really whiling out. It was like a safe space to do that. And I'm a little bit of a messy queen sometimes. So, <laughs> so that was really here, fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have this like vivid memory of Macy Rodman doing a tub girl performance where she like poured a giant bowl of chocolate Ovaltine on her face. Um, and it was just <laughs> ugh, impeccable. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cleaning that so, up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that was, so Bath Salts was the first place I performed in New York. How did you get the name Amber Alert? Um, you know, I mean, child abduction is just hilarious to oh, me, yes. obviously. Um, Julie, you must be so Hide proud. your children. <laughs> yeah. Hide your children. Um, hide your kids. Hide your wife. I, I like the name Amber because it's just like so trashy and American. It's very, clu- <laughs> it, it reminds me of Clueless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of my very early drag looks um, was JonBenet Ramsey. So I just, it's like, you know, a topic that's close to my heart. Aww. Um and um uh so yeah it just felt natural and you know amber alert it's like a little snappy there's an alliteration it's like not even a pun it's just basically it's the stupidest it's the stupidest thing i could think of is the answer to that question i'm surprised no one came up with it before you well oh is there other well i have actually indirectly intimidated three other queens (gasps) into changing their names i didn't even there was never a confrontation i never requested it but they just like became aware of my existence and Uh. because i'm in New York, they were like, "Well, I guess I got to change it." You're so very lucky they changed now it. Now I'm stuck with it forever. Because well, you know. I mean, it's too late. You <laughs> already they can't go back either. Mm-hmm. So, so how would you describe your drag aesthetic? Oh gosh, um, great question. Uh, I would say I would describe my drag aesthetic as irreverent glamour mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, I, my, the inspiration for my looks can come from so many different places. Um, like it can start with a garment or an accessory, or it can start with um, a stupid idea that I have, a dumb pun, um, or a song that I hear and I think about how I can recontextualize it to make it really silly. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really want to do a, um, a performance to pop by in sync that's oh, all about dr pimple popper oh my god please i just do. think <laughs> i just I think that it. would be oh yeah there would god. be a lot of like vanilla pudding involved oh i think just don't get it on um, me i want to watch this. so yeah so irreverent but glamorous um did you always like plan on being a bearded queen you know the the uh it was Initially, it was an accident, actually. I, oh. was, I was going to Rocky Horror, and I was about to get ready, and I realized I didn't have time to shave. So mm-hmm. I was like, I guess I'll just paint over it. Oh. Um, and I hate shaving, so I, you know, and my drag is about doing things that I love. Mm-hmm. So um, shaving just didn't really fit into that. Um, I also find my beard to be, like, rather gender-affirming, actually. I think it's, like, really cute. Um, so I like it. I don't want to shave it off. Um, I can't, I've never seen you without a beard and I can't imagine what you look like without one. I, I do have a chin. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in there. Um, but yeah, she's, she's rarely seen. It's true. I like it. It looks good on you. Thank you. She has a great jawline. Oh, um, thank you. Well, we'll, we'll um, never. When she does shave, I'm always. <laughs> you're like, wow. Oh, look 
at that jawline. Uh, so yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a plan, but it's something that I've leaned into. I feel like it's very like we know it's you. It's your like stamp. Yes. Your drag Thank you. Stamp. Thank you. It is a trademark. I do um I do go by the the bearded lady of Bushwick, one of my taglines. Yeah. Um, I'm also the foremost Diane Keaton impersonator in the world, uh, and perhaps the only one. I did not know um, that. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, what a so, legend. Yeah, yeah. Many claims to fame. I love it. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk Julie. to Julie a lot more about raising Amber. <laughs> okay. The bearded queen of Bushwick. We'll see you in a second. Bye. 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 I know. Wig. I feel that already. Wig. Okay. Wig. Did you just say wig? I'm totally ready. Really? Yes. <laughs> You're not ready? I'm like worried about this mic. Because we're recording. Um, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> <Every time. laughs> okay. I guess my mic's sounding okay. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, Hi, everyone. We're back. <laughs> So we talked to Amber. Now we're really excited to talk to Amber's mom, not her drag mom, but also her drag mom, <laughs> Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. I feel like you're everyone's mom. I feel like you're my mom. You're like the supporting, loving mom that we all need in Brooklyn. That is so true. <laughs> I would true, like though. to be everyone's mom. <laughs> oh, I really that's so would. Cute. I would. Like, think of me as your mom. Oh, you <laughs> are you. though. <laughs> I actually met you through Tyler Wallach, who we've had as a guest. Because mm-hmm. Tyler used to date Amber, but y'all are still close. Mm-hmm. So that was like the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Tyler's um, one of my kids. For Aww, sure. You're very, very supportive, which I love. Because <laughs> I'm stuck with Tyler no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your book, My Son Wears Heels. My book is uh, a memoir, oh. really. And... The subtitle is One Mom's Journey from Clueless to (laughs) Kick-Ass because um, it really is about my journey parenting Amber Mm -hmm. Alert. And um, I had this idea of writing stories about what Amber was like as a kid. And some of them are incorporated into the chapters. And Mm. when I met someone who became a writing coach for me, she said, you know, Julie, um, unless you're David Sedaris or Chelsea Handler, like no one's really going to care about your essays. And if you want to talk about what it was like being a parent to such a remarkable kid, it has to be your story. You Mm. can't tell your kid's story. So it Mm. has to be your memoir and... A memoir is about how someone changes over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really had to think about that because that meant like really digging kind of deep into my feelings being um, the mom to a kid who was unlike any other kid that I'd ever known. And there was a lot of worry and a lot of fears for my child. Um, Harry doesn't remember this. Um, but when you asked about Harry's coming out, um, I feel like Harry came out for the first time at two and a half years old and she doesn't remember this, but one night before bed, she asked me how I knew she was a boy Mm -hmm. and I wanted to give as short of an answer as possible. (laughs) And so I did a quick little anatomy lesson, Mm -hmm. um, which I would never do that now. I would approach it completely differently. Um, In fact, what I would say now, if a a two-and-a-half-year-old asked me how I knew they were a boy, I would say, well, you know, when you were born, the doctor told us that you were a boy based on your body parts. But babies don't talk, and doctors can't understand kids unless they're talking. And so no one really knew what you were thinking. But anyway, I did the anatomy lesson and instead, and this little two-year-old kid looked at me wearing Superman pajamas and and kind of understood what I was saying, but I knew that the wheels were turning and I wanted to know what was going on. And I said, you know, Harry, that's a really interesting question. What made you ask it? And without really thinking, um, she just said, well, inside my head, I'm a girl. And I didn't know what that meant, really. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I thought, well, Harry loves Barbies and um, her friend Lewis across the street, sisters have Barbies and the boys aren't allowed to touch the Barbies because they might wreck them and ruin their hair. And um, so I thought it was just, well, I know I like girl stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite sure how to reply to that because I, I knew I wanted to say something. And I'd been sitting on the floor. And so in the time it took for me to stand up, mm-hmm. I was like thinking, well, what the hell am I going to say? <laughs> and Harry's dad and I had decided, you know, our number one concern and priority for our kid was that they have good self-esteem. And I knew that I wanted Harry to always feel good about himself. And I stood up and I said, you know, it's really great that you know that about yourself. And that was the right thing to say because I got this big little smile back. Aww. and. We read a frog and toad story before bed, and then I closed the door, and I was just, my heart was racing. It was like, what just happened in there, and what does that mean? And I, you know, I, there were no, there was no internet, so the internet wasn't any help, and I didn't really have many books to refer to. And, um, and when I talked to Harry's dad about it, he said, you know, he's two. Like, <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, <laughs> see what happens. And so that was sort of when I became the, the observer and, um, and waited for Harry to tell us who Harry was. Um, and in school, Harry continued to like things that were in preschool. Harry's favorite area of preschool was the drama corner or, you know, <laughs> the, the dress-up box mm-hmm. corner and loved the tulle skirts and um, jewelry. And so that's when Amber got her first dress-up box because if that's oh. what she likes to play with at school, then she should have one at home. And Harry's dad said, well, are you sure you know what you're doing? Aren't you encouraging? But that's our job as parents is to encourage and support. But I still wasn't sure what it meant. And I worried about our kid getting teased or or bullied because of their interest in things that were considered feminine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I had to worry for myself, too, because if you were raising a boy who was effeminate back then, it meant that you were a bad mom, that you were somehow doing something wrong to your kid and screwing up your kid, or that you're gonna somehow make your kid gay. (laughs) Um, And so I didn't wanna be judged either as a bad mom, because it meant that I was controlling and overpowering and Mm -hmm. And I was kind of controlling. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. So, you know, I had to worry about, you know, that too. But I feel like you were like the opposite of like a quote unquote pa- bad parent because you were just listening to all the social cues yeah. that Amber was giving you. Yeah, well, I felt like that was my job was to be supportive and, and I wanted a kid who was going to be happy and secure and self-confident but at the same time, I didn't know what it would mean down the road. I didn't know what kind of guidance, you know, this kind of child would require or what that guidance even was. If I knew what the right thing would be, I just didn't know. Were you able to, like, reach out to, like, any sort of, like, organization or, like, find books about what was going on? Because it was a very different time back then. Um, you know, I looked at Dr. Spock's Baby and Child Care, and there mm-hmm. was one paragraph, and I think it was under sexuality or homosexuality, mm-hmm. and which said that kids do play with gender mm-hmm. and that most kids sort it out by the time they're five or six. And I was thinking at the time, what do you mean? I have to wait, like, three or four years? Um... And then it also implied, and Dr. Spock has since died, and and the books have been rewritten, Mm -hmm. but the idea was that if your child is still, quote-unquote, confused or aligning too closely with the other gender, that you might want to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. And I, Harry's dad and I just ruled that out right away because you don't take a happy kid to a shrink. It just didn't make any sense. It's inter- there's um I've gotten really into Euphoria lately, which is a TV show on HBO. But like right. they they do th- there's a trans character and they do take them to like a psychiatric ward to like deal with the problem. So it's 
it turned out for the best that you probably didn't do that especially <laughs> at that time when there was just a lot of disinformation i learned about a lot of this um like children dealing with gender in college as well and there's there's a lot more information now for sure, sure. yeah i feel like it was you came kind of like towards like you were born a little early for everything but you luckily had like a great mom who like could see through all the bullshit because there's so much like misinformation mm -hmm. that's exactly yeah. it there was well there was no internet yeah but there was a lot of misinformation mm -hmm. and a lot of stereotyping mm -hmm. and a lot of mm -hmm. judgment mm -hmm. and i didn't discover um p flag i found a i found it mentioned in a book that i did find which was written by um, someone from milwaukee who interviewed families and parents of gay kids mm -hmm. there wasn't really any discussion about a um, gender identity because I don't even think I heard that term until 2011 yeah um, it was more focused on sexuality and and PFLAG was mentioned in that book and I remember calling the Milwaukee chapter and asking them who they worked with and they said that they worked with teens mm -hmm. and that they worked with adults and that sometimes in a, a marriage, a spouse would come out to the other spouse as being gay. And I couldn't bring myself to ask, and what about children? Mm -hmm. Do you work with children? I didn't ask that question. I was afraid mm -hmm. of being judged. Yeah. Like, what do you mean, kids? Because <laughs> the idea of projecting sexuality on a toddler is just a huge brain disconnect mm -hmm. yeah. and because gender identity wasn't really understood or talked about like the term gender um, creative or gender expansive or transgender didn't really exist or it was rare yeah. I, I'd never heard it yeah. I heard the word transsexual yes and I knew about Christine Jorgensen um, who had gone to Europe and had a sex oh oh they were in the army right um, I think so. I think it was in the 60s, and I remember her picture being on the cover of Life magazine. Mm -hmm. I th and I was thinking, okay, well, if when Harry grows up and she wants to become Harriet or whatever mm -hmm. name, then she'll do that. I wasn't thinking about it really as something that you just evolve. Like you develop and discover who you are, and mm -hmm. that happens from the moment you recognize yourself. So... Yeah, misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> 90s were a different time. <laughs> it was. <Right. laughs> and now there are, now people have resources and there yeah. are a ton of books and and there are organizations, national organizations and PFLAG has hundreds of chapters yeah. around the country mm -hmm. and and a hotline and parents meet and talk and share stories and ideas and how to deal with schools mm -hmm. and and transgender is just, you know, so... It's such mm, a hot button issue right now. Well, it's <laughs> it's becoming more understood. And yeah. as it relates to kids, that's really important. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. really. Um, you talk about um, what you wish you knew differently in the book. Is there any, like, tips, like, that you n wish you knew now when you were raising Amber back then? You know, I guess I would, if I were talking to myself, I would say, don't worry so much. Mm. <laughs> you know, you just love more and worry less. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. And listen really carefully to your kid. You know, we, we have all these expectations of what our kid's going to be like. It could even just be, oh, our kid's going to go into the family business. Or yeah. I like to play tennis, so my kid will play tennis. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really not about you at all. It is about your kid and them discovering who they are and then just, you know, being along with them to protect them when needed, but to let them lead the way. Mm -hmm. And so I do de dedicate my book to Harry as my Aww. beacon Aww. Um, <laughs> because she does shine brighter than the sun most <laughs> days. <laughs> I know you're a board member now of PFLAG and It Gets Better, a nonprofit. What does that entail? Um, for for both, it's really, um, they're both volunteer positions, mm -hmm. and I serve with other people, just really on guidance and governance mm -hmm. um, for their programs and programming and outreach and help them make sure that they have the funds they need to continue doing the um, important work that they do. Mm -hmm. um, PFLAG's more focused on families and parents. Mm -hmm. 
and helping parents get the help that they need to guide their kid. And It Gets Better is a global organization that really exists to uplift and empower and connect LGBTQ youth around the globe. What would you say to like parents who are like struggling with like a gender queer child? You know, I would say take a deep breath mm -hmm. and um, remember that this kid is the same kid that you cradled mm -hmm. in the hospital or, or days after. It's the same kid that you loved when they were born. Nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. They're just being who they are. And again, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amber, what did you feel about getting a whole book written about you? <laughs> uh, um, one of my favorite things that people ask me about the book, they'd be like, did you know she was writing it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I know. It's, not, it, it's not like it was some like explosive like tell-all. <laughs> it's um, not like the Caitlyn Jenner um, memoir that no. no one asked for. Um, <laughs> you know... I, the whole the process of her writing it actually brought us closer together because mm -hmm. we were having it seemed like for two years like every conversation we had would somehow turn to like what I remembered from my childhood mm. about Mary do you remember the time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so there was a lot of those conversations um, and he, and, and she didn't remember all that much <laughs> from the early years yeah um, so. Uh, I think it's cool. I'm very proud of my mom. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of my mom. I, um, I think it's great that <laughs> she's, <laughs> I think it's great what she's accomplished and it's, you know, it's like, it just so happens to be a book about me. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really a book about her actually. Yeah. Well, um, it's a memoir. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just very proud and very lucky. Thank you, honey. <laughs> I did ask her permission beforehand, well, of I'd course. Hope so. <laughs> and then it was a lot of, do you remember, do you remember? Mm -hmm. And there was a lot that you don't remember before the age of three or four. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, the how do you know I'm a boy mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. I didn't even tell Harry about that until I had made a decision to write the book. Oh, wow. And I was really encouraged to write the book by a friend who heads the center in Chicago, the LGBT center. It's uh. just called the Center on Halstead. Mm -hmm. um, because he said, I think if you shared your story that you could help a lot of other parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in my mind, if I can help the parents, that means I can help the kids. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. it's really about <laughs> helping the kids, but... But just short of being able to say, I was where you're at. I didn't mm -hmm. know what these things meant and that it's not a reflection on you in any way. Mm -hmm. That it's really just about you allowing. It's about allowing. Mm -hmm. Allowing your kid to be who they are. And wanting to protect them and guide them because not everyone in the world. You know, we did live in a very progressive and liberal part of Milwaukee. Um, and accepting but it's not always that way. No. And, um, and I know there are a lot of kids out there, the statistics prove it, who don't feel safe even in their own family. Yeah. So, Especially if you're like trans or queer in any sort of the I was going to say, I'm right here. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, the idea is that you fit, that your kid's going to fit into one of two boxes, mm -hmm. either the pink box or the blue box. Yeah. And you have all these expectations of what that means and how you decorate the room even before they're born, if mm -hmm. you know. And that it's really, um, it's really about not your kid fitting in so much, but your kid being accepted for who they are. Mm. That's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, finding their place in the world. Right. Yeah. How has the response been from the book? Um, it's been good. I got reviewed in the New York Times. I saw. So that was, um, that was really affirming because, you know, I, I have a PR background, so I'm used to writing objectively when it comes to mm. writing about your emotions. That was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to go back into my childhood a little bit, um, sort of think about what my mother was like and my parenting. And I just knew I did not want to be 
that mom. <laughs> um, and so I, I had reconciled a lot and put that behind me. And then writing the book, I had to sort of bring all that to the surface. That was a little challenging. Um, but I think that people who do read it, and parents, I wish every parent of mm -hmm. a gender non-conforming um, kid would read it. It's not, it doesn't, it's not a how-to or a guidebook, but it's just, I think people can identify yeah. with the emotions that you feel. Um, and then how just to, you know, the advice really bottom line is to let your kid be. Mm -hmm. Um and how you can do that and and allow yourself to feel okay also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that you did the right thing, like did a good job. I think you did. Oh, <laughs> I think so too. I'm really proud of Amber. How long was the writing process for you? Uh, it took me a year okay. to write. Yeah. And I had a lot of um, stories, mm -hmm. so it was really just um, knitting those together and deciding mm -hmm. which ones. I mean, I could have written an entire book about Halloweens, <laughs> oh. um, but that just sort of came up in, you know, once or twice. Mm -hmm. And right after um, Harry asked me how I knew he was a boy, um, that, that was in the summer, and then that Halloween... Um, we have a big block party, and I told Harry, you can be anyone you want. You can wear a costume. And without even thinking, I think he were watching Peter Pan movie at the time I asked the question. Um, Harry just wanted to be Wendy. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was where that was going. <laughs> Wendy. And and I, I should have been okay with that. Mm. You know, it's like, why not? Why not let the kid be Wendy? And I just imagined him being teased and mm. like the macho dads, like snickering and... And I shouldn't have cared about that. Mm -hmm. I should have just let Harry be, but I didn't. I tried to do like a, I went to the Disney store and I swore I would never spend money on a costume. And I spent 60 bucks on a Peter Pan costume oh, because it had- The gayest children's character of <laughs> I was all saying, time. I yeah. was thinking you should have done Captain Hook. That's a big <gasps> old queen. Well, I knew <laughs> Harry would never go for Captain Peter Hook. Pan, Peter Pan played by a woman. Woman, played by a of woman. Course. I know. <laughs> I and, and Harry made fun of me later saying that. Mom, it's the gayest costume <laughs> ever. But it had a big orange feather in the hat and there was this rubber knife and Aww. I was totally fine with it. I, I went as Peter Pan for like three years in a row. So <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the gayest character. The, the gayest character, yeah. We stand. We stand. Um, so now that Amber moved to New York, you're also very much part of the New York nightlife scene. Well, the early Or the early nightlife scene. scene. The drag bingo scene with Linda Simpson. Right, drag bingo or Bushwig. Bushwig. Daytime. Anything Sasha does during the day. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just such a fun community. I mm -hmm. mean, I just have a great time. And I wish Amber performed at early hours sometimes. Or when, or when <laughs> she says... Amber does perform very late. When she says, Mom, we're doing an, the shows at 9 or at 10, it's like, okay, I'm there. Or you were yeah. Ars Nova or mm -hmm. whatever. If they're earlier, then I'm down. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I have to take a nap. And then <laughs> I think there was one show I wanted to go to and... And he said, we're probably not going on until 11 or 12. And then I didn't go. And I heard the next day that it wasn't until 2 or something. <laughs> as and it, I said, as it I'm is. glad I wasn't there. <laughs> um, but it's just such a great, fun, and loving community of people. I mean, I just see so many people just being having so much freedom. Yeah. And mm. having such a good time being so free. Um, and so much creativity. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> just... Over Did you ever time. expect like this was where Amber would take you <laughs> when Amber was little, like New York City, Bohemian drugs? <laughs> um, you know, I know that the first time uh, Amber came to New York that she loved it. Mm -hmm. And I could just imagine her. Um, and with her emphasis on gender expression, mm -hmm. I mean, it was really all about the clothes. For Amber, one year she wanted to be the pink Power Ranger, and I just couldn't bring myself to buy that pink Power Ranger cons costume. But I learned later it wasn't so much about the color as it was about the skirt, <laughs> because Kimberly had the pink skirt. She did. Um, 
I and wanted so to be hurt too. I just figured in terms of openness and um, liberal living mm-hmm. that this would probably be where Amber ended up. <laughs> Belonged. <laughs> Belonged, right. Sure. Or would feel so comfortable. And I think it was a really good move for both of us. Mm-hmm. I love it here. <laughs> Have you done anything together now that you live out here that you're like, this is amazing? <laughs> uh, we do so many things. Yeah. We go to a lot of theater, um, just hanging out, mm-hmm. being able to hang out in my apartment or at Amber's apartment or going exploring Bushwick. Yeah. Um, has been fun. <laughs> what have been some of your favorite like drag shows that you've gone to? Early drag shows. I know you do the brunch. That doesn't exist anymore. I know. I'm so sad about that. <laughs> at Bazaar. Um, baby tea brunch not happening oh. at Bazaar. I'm sure it'll find a new home. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. They right. brought in a lot of business. Right. And I love that. I love Charlene. I think of her as like a second daughter mm-hmm. and Tyler. And so, and brunch, that's the perfect time of day for me <laughs> drag. Um, I also went to, I saw you at Sasha's Nightgowns New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I just live two blocks away from Branded Saloon, so switch and play. Oh, shows do you there. go to them? Oh, yeah. I need to go. Yeah, you do. Well, we can go we together. Can go. <laughs> we can go together. We're making plans on the puck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amber, yes. how is your experience working in Brooklyn? Um, you know, it's been great. I feel very privileged to pursue drag. It's not quite a hobby. It's more of like a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel privileged to pursue drag as a lifestyle choice and not as a career just because it yeah. gives me more creative freedom. I don't have to worry about... Mm-hmm. Financial. You know, right. And yeah. I don't have to worry about turning out a look every week or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can really take my time um, with that. I perform like... 0.75 times a month, I would say. <laughs> and that is just enough. That's yeah. per- the perfect amount. Um, so I've been very lucky to connect with like-minded performers mm-hmm. who, um, who appreciate my sense of humor and uh, enjoy making a mess sometimes. <laughs> um, and so a lot uh, of food and beverage, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> food and beverage director, Amber alert. Um, <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I feel very lucky to have connected with the Brooklyn community. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, there are, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you also like bring like your graphic design background cause you do those posters for straight I acting. I do. A, yes. <laughs> I do a lot of things. So, um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to perform mm-hmm. as part of Brooklyn drag. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to make flyers for Reefy Royalty. <laughs> I love that. Um, and also uh, having the chance to en- enmesh drag with my visual art mm-hmm. um, is also something that I really love. So I've worked on some music videos for different queens and performers and um, I've created some video art that I use in the projections for my performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having an avenue for that creative expression as well has been really wonderful. I also like that you like incorporate musicals sometimes mm-hmm. because it's a very like Manhattan type of thing to do. Yes. So I like when Queens from the other side of the pond bring it over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other side of the river. river. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, I think we're going to take a little, little yeah. break um, and we'll come back and we'll do a little usual wrap up and um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Bye. 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 I know. Wig. I feel that already. Wig. Okay. Wig. Did you just say wig? And we're back. And we're back. Woo. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So what's for Amber, what's the best advice you've been given about doing drag? You know, um, I can't even like attribute this to a specific person mm-hmm. necessarily, but um, I think it's important to note that you don't need money to do 
drag mm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are creative, you can make an outfit out of trash and make it look good. Um, and oftentimes when you have, um, when you have a restraint like budget, mm-hmm. it can actually encourage your creativity, um, encourage mm-hmm. you to think outside the box. So um, that's what I would say is that you don't need money to do drag well. <laughs> it helps. I mean, it does yeah, help. It does I'm not going to lie. Unless you want to be on Drag Race and then you have to take out a mortgage on your home. Right. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so you've been doing something very interesting, which is you currently um, documented San Francisco drag queens for vogue and i know you plan on taking that project elsewhere what what was that project and what have you learned from documenting older drag queens yeah so it's the project is sort of tentatively titled legends of drag Mm -hmm. um it's a photo series i am working on in collaboration with my friend Devin, who is a floral stylist Mm -hmm. um and so last year uh and it it was also a collaboration with Sasha Velour. She helped produce the first five portraits that we shot. Um, so yeah, we, we shot five queens in San Francisco last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we shot two more this summer. And I'm actually headed to Los Angeles next week to Ooh. shoot some more queens out there. Yeah. Um, and we plan to continue the project in, in other cities across America as well. <laughs> it's so exciting for me because mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. I was writing my book, it was hard to like kind of track down who are people we, we really should know about who have like directly influenced different drag scenes. And I feel like just getting the images and names out there, you're like definitely mm-hmm. playing a part and doing something that I couldn't do being stuck in New York, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you're like continuing people's legacies in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you know, my goals for the project are to, to honor these Queens legacies, obviously as cultural ambassadors mm-hmm. and trailblazers um, and also to foster intergenerational exchange. Yes. Um, that was something it, that's what sort of drew me to the project initially mm-hmm. um, is that I was, I went out to go see shows in San Francisco and I was like, Oh my God, there are so many older performers here. This mm-hmm. is so cool. Yeah. I want to know them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want other people to know them as well. Yeah. Um, and so what have I learned from working with older performers? I would say that um, a lot of the things that we bitch about and like the community struggles that we have, mm-hmm. um, they've been dealing with for like, you know, the last 50 years. Yeah. Like things like, um, you know, like like venues disappearing mm-hmm. and um, having access to space um, and getting paid. Um, I mean, these aren't new problems. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is somewhat reassuring. It's a little disheartening that those are still issues. However, it is also reassuring that these queens are still out there mm-hmm. performing their art, living their art. Um, and that, you know, they have they have overcome many of the same challenges that that we experience today as younger performers. Yeah. And I feel like now the freedoms gained legally are so much more than what they were dealing with, especially San Francisco, which has such mm-hmm. a historic historical like, I don't know, past with like law enforcement and all everything like those queens survived it and they're still going yeah, so exactly and a lot of their stories aren't being told which is why i'm so excited for this because right. it's a new way for people to find out yeah about them. i mean mm-hmm. you know drag race has done wonderful things for mm-hmm. the industry of course but there needs to be there need to be some sort of like alternative artifacts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, represent drag history other than just drag race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so I'm excited to work on that. Yay, I am too. <laughs> Me too. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings us, not really, but it brings us to our favorite question. My favorite question. I mean, it's a good question. <laughs> um, to both of you, <laughs> what is your craziest nightlife experience? And it could be in the day for you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the two things that come to mind <laughs> immediately both involve like 
removing or inserting some kind of object from some kind of orifice <laughs> um, at a culture whore party. Um, I witnessed Kembra Fowler insert this like giant crucifix into her pussy, like as she was doing a headstand or a handstand. Um, it was crazy. I mean, not the whole crucifix, obviously <laughs> just like the bottom of it, oh. but it was, um, it was massive. And she was like, her legs were like spread eagle up in the air and like her assistants were just like, Oh, she had assistance inserting. For this. <laughs> yeah. Inserting this crucifix into her pussy. Um, I don't remember that part of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're here. You didn't think of that first. <laughs> and then there, there was this performer. God, I want to say her name was Lena Marquise. I, I have not seen or heard from her in a long time, but at bath salts, she did this number where she pulled a string of chicken bones out of her pussy just like, I don't even remember what the rest of the number was about, but she, it was just like, and it just kept going. Um, I think that I'm like pretty sure that was Lena. Um, that was really wild. Uh, personally, um, one of the, one of the craziest, um, uh, nightlife experiences that I am personally responsible for oh. would be at um, at Rosemont for the Mix Montrose competition. Mm-hmm. I stuffed my wig full of onions. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> yep, stuffed my wig full of onions. Also brought a giant burlap sack full of onions. Spilled them all over the floor, um, and the whole bar smelled like onions. Yep. Um, Delicious. So, and like I had the onions in my wig all night before the number. Um, and so all night people kept coming up to me and being like, you smell like Pizza Hut. Like <laughs> you, you smell like Burger King. Like you smell so interesting. Like what's your secret? Um, and I was like, just you wait. Um, so that was just like, was, I it would, a, was it a Shrek number? Yeah. Well, yeah. so it was, it was about crying. Oh, okay. Um, it, it started with, um, it's okay to cry by Sophie. And then there was a little Shrek interlude. Okay. <laughs> um, and then it was no tears left to cry by Ariana Grande. Oh my God. Um, That's so smart. And so it was just like incredibly stupid. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I, it's so surreal that, um, you know, there's a gay bar full of onions that just reeks of onions. I just think that's so funny. So and they usually did do take anyway. a bite out of an onion. As I, I did. I well, I I actually went completely nose blind. Um, I took a bite out of an onion during the number. It mm-hmm. smelled or it it tasted almost sweet. Like it wasn't offensive at all. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, um, I took my wig off and it. I smelled it. It just smelled like hairspray. Like it didn't smell like onions at all. And so I went up to Lucy Balls and I was like, girl, like, does my wig smell like onions? And she was like, Amber, it literally reeks of onions <laughs> so strongly. I don't even want to be near it. And I just couldn't even smell it at all. Um, so I think that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was like so random. You know? <laughs> so um, random. Just like drag queens and onions, like whoever would have thought. That night was insane. It was. We it were, was really funny. We were there till like four. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, all the performers were like late. Um, uh, of course they were. And then um, there was some drama behind the um, TJ booth, but I won't get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not everyone was thrilled about the onions. Let's put it that way. Oh, okay. That's hilarious. Um, Oops. Julie, do you have a story? <laughs> you know, I think um, the most memorable for me was the first time I saw a drag show. Mm-hmm. And it was in Las Vegas at Lucky Chang's. Oh, of course. And Her- I was taking Harry there for like an 18th birthday present and um, and said, is there anything you'd like to see? I wanted to go see an O show and the Beatles love, Cirque du Soleil show. And Harry said, you know, I'd really like to see a drag show because you'd never been to one yet, duh. Um, So I got us a table at Lucky Chang's. And so the most memorable moment for me was when they wanted volunteers from the audience to go up on stage um, for some kind of a competition. And so, of course, Harry's hand went straight up. And next thing I know, my... um, almost 18 year old kid is up on stage and the challenge is to recreate uh, the orgasm that Sally gives in when Harry met Sally at Katz's Deli. 
Okay. <laughs> and th- there's going to be an applause meter to determine the winner. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, I am watching my kid who I'm going to now have to listen to imitating a woman having an orgasm. <laughs> so I know that I was personally dying. <laughs> and of course, they were great at this. And I just, I know I was bright red. I couldn't tell. And, the, and then they wanted, you know, when they were clapping, I was just like, you know, sort of the royal white gloved <laughs> hand clap. And the MC said, you're with him and you're not even clapping. <laughs> and um, I think you were like second runner up oh then the 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 winner was gonna have to do a shot like a slippery nipple or something and and i'm just thinking oh my god this is what and then when um harry got back to the table and i said did did you ever even see that movie and he goes no i have no idea what that was still haven't seen it still hasn't seen it but anyway so that was my like memorable um dying in my chair first drag show yeah you're such a good sport. <laughs> my mom would have walked was, out yeah, and be same. like, bye. I, I <gasps> my parents would never my take me to a drug uh, show anyway. <laughs> but we had fun, I have to say. There was some Who funny moments. Who was in that drag show? Anybody? Um, it's probably all local. Chi Chi. Like Miss Las Vegas. There was, yeah. Um, Lucky Chang's in Las Vegas has since closed, unfortunately. Oh. I remember there was an incredible ingenue named Chi Chi. I don't recall her last name. <laughs> Um, and there was another queen named Shinovia, who I think was like a Miss Continental sort uh. of queen. I remember her. Um, she came out with in like a giant oversized coat and then she threw it off and all she was wearing was just some glitter on her pussy. Um, that was memorable. Um, but I don't I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I remember any of the other performers' names. God, it was like it was a decade ago. Yeah, I'm sure. There's a chapter in my book about that experience. Oh, (laughs) we just got a preview of the book. (laughs) So what are your goals for both of you for the future in drag, nightlife, writing, anything? Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite uh, roles as a drag queen is um, as judge and panelist. I have served as a judge for several <laughs> local drag competitions oh. and I would love to, you know, I'm totally not qualified for that position, but I love <laughs> it. I love it anyway. Um, so, and I'm very good at being judgmental. Um, <laughs> I feel like you go to a lot of drag shows in general. So if you're, if you're an audience member a lot, I feel like you can yeah. do it. <laughs> I still think about when you told me um, I should be more like the God warrior. <laughs> because she became she came became like a queer icon. Her name's Marguerite Perrin. We're mm-hmm. friends on Facebook. Yeah, um, I think about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that happened. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should just judge Martyr more every time Martyr has doesn't a judge me at this point. Let's be real, girl. Yeah, we'll show you his Bushwick performance, and you can give a critique on it. So that's one of my goals. I'd love to be a panelist. Um, I love um, jobs where I just have to sit down. Um, Same. Same. Um, that's really fun. I'm really good at that. Um, and let's see. Uh, I would love to perform more internationally with Bushwig would be mm. so fun. Um, you done, didn't do Berlin? I, I've done Berlin the last two years. Oh, yeah, you were there. Um, mm. Yeah, and uh, just like traveling with my sisters mm-hmm. is so fun because you get, there's like, it forges a sense of connectedness like you don't get from just like the bar or the club yeah. here in Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, I would I would love to do more gigs outside the city with my sisters. Oh. That would be so fun. Even if it's just like whatever in like New Jersey, like fuck it, like that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Bushwick, um, um, Bushwick at Atlantic New City. Jersey, yeah. yeah, I would go to that. <laughs> right. I would go Bushwick, Newark. Yeah, I would not go. <laughs> Don't take me. Um, so that'd be fun, and I'm really excited for the next phase of my photography project yes. as well. I am too. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. Well, I have a couple things. Um, I have talked to Amber about collaborating with me on a children's book, children's Ooh. picture book. So we have some ideas swirling around mm-hmm. the universe on that. And uh, I'm also working to do more public speaking. 
mm-hmm. in either corporations or at association conferences so I can help the general public mm-hmm. understand even the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation mm-hmm. or what they think they know of it. Um, there are many people I know, adults my age, who don't have never heard the term gender identity and aren't sure what that means, mm-hmm. and they get all confused between transge- transgender or non-binary or genderqueer, and so then sometimes they think, well, if I don't know it, that it's not worth knowing, and they don't want to ask questions, they don't want to offend someone. But even in the workplace, to have people understand what their coworkers experience or what parents within the workplace are experiencing at home with their kids, mm-hmm. um, even when it comes to things like pronouns, just help educate and inform people. Tell them, tell them the name of the talk that you've been working on. Um, well, the sort of the main title is Straight Talk from a Straight Mom. <laughs> <laughs> of, wait, Straight Talk from a Straight Mom of? Of a... Um, gender bending millennial. Gender bending millennial. <laughs> yeah. All right. I had to get approval on that one. Oh. And Amber said, Really, mom? Gender bending? <laughs> and I said, You know what? It's a term that everyone will yeah, understand. They can understand. No, it. if I were to say non binary, people would just go back and we're like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. So it does, you know, pique some interest. And I have spoken at some companies. And I just really enjoy it and would like to do more of it. I feel like that's like a perfect role for you. And like, it's so necessary, especially like with this Trump administration going on and like Trump wanting to fire people for being gay. Like that whole, like the corporate culture needs to change. Well, October 8th. So it's not far away. The Supreme court's hearing that um, civil rights act on transgender protections in the workplace. So everyone needs to be focusing their energy on that yeah may ruth bader ginsburg and amanda lapore live forever forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and with that (laughs) um do you uh where can we find you online both of you um i'm in mysonwearsheels.com and also on instagram as (laughs) mysonwearsheels um and facebook and um i think that's it (laughs) Um, you can find my fine artwork on harryjameshanson.com and I'm on Instagram as skirt suit, um, and Twitter as trash queen. I know I don't, I need like, I wish I had a more sort of cohesive social media presence, but, um, Insta- I always type in Amber when I'm posting I, photos of you and I like, I never find I'm you. sorry. And then I'm like, oh, skirt suit. No. I'm sorry. I'm skirt suit. It's just, you know. And then I, when I first met you, I thought that was your drag name. Right. That is a common misconception. Um, It is not my drag name, but it is reflective of my sort of drag ethos, I would say. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you both for opening up your home and also talking to our little shit show. And our hearts. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun too. Um, so I'm right here. I'm C. Tepper. And this was Wig It Out. Bye. And if you like Wigging Out Podcasts, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wigging Out Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Wigging Out Pod. You can follow me at, at C-T-E-P-P-E-R on Instagram. And you can also check out my book, The State of Drag, available on Amazon, only for 99 cents and all proceeds go to charity. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or dick pics, you can send them at DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Artwork for Wigging Out came from Glitter Baby Online. You can find them on Instagram at Glitter Baby Online. Thank you.